it was clear to me that the, the value proposition was one of a shared uh, proposition. If the community succeeds, the bank would succeed. If the community failed, the bank would fail. And that just seemed to be how close it was tied. It just, it needed to be that way. And so that's really where I think when you think about the, the business model or the mission particularly, it grew out of this need to engage and innovate with the community, new products and services, uh, how to adapt to the environment, hire Hmong employees, uh, understand the culture, and really begin to engage and, and prosper. And, and it worked. Welcome to American Dreams. My guest this week is David Reiling. David, welcome to today's show. Thanks, Alan. Great to be here. So, David, you have a very unique background. Uh, you know, tell us a little bit about the the, the picture and your your background and uh, you know the, the meaning that it has. Sure. Uh, so, the picture that uh, sits behind me is uh, what's known as Lower Town in St. Paul, Minnesota, and it is the place where my Italian grandparents uh, landed and uh, lived uh, when they immigrated to the U.S. And uh, it was a place where. Uh, it was little elderly at the time, and so uh, it, it's near the Mississippi River. It flooded. Doesn't smell so great from time to time, but uh, that was the origin of of me and my heritage uh, here in in St. Paul, Minnesota. And so you're still up there in St. Paul to this day. Yes, I am. Yep. All right. Well, let's roll into your uh, your path in life. Uh, yeah, you grew up in the area, and then uh, tell us about your college, and then what you did after that. Sure. So, yeah, my journey has been, um, gosh, I started out working for my uncle in construction. So every summer I can um, remember, except for one, I worked construction. And the one I didn't, I was a teller at a bank. And I loved being a teller. And it was here, it was in Minneapolis. Um, I thought it was so exciting, the people and the money. And the bank that I was in that year uh, got robbed twice that summer. And I thought it was super exciting. I really did. I just thought this is where the money is and, and there's action and, and people rob it. And so it was really kind of my first four way into, into banking. But um, uh, from there, it was on to college. I went to the University of San Diego, had an absolute wonderful experience and uh, started a business while I was in college and just had a, a marvelous time uh, growing that business. Uh, of selling t-shirts and sweatshirts and hats and all sorts of things to fraternities and sororities. And the business really took off and, and had contracts with businesses around the San Diego area. And so it was cool. I ended up selling that business uh, after I graduated. And my passion and love for banking uh, took me to Los Angeles as a trainee uh, in a bank that was known as First Interstate Bank in Los Angeles. So uh, it was near downtown. And you know, robberies uh, kind of stuck with me. The first two weeks of being a trainee there, the bank I was in got robbed three times. And so it uh, it was on that third time that was kind of uh, a career changer a bit for me. And that was um, the manager who was in that branch had stepped out for a moment to have a smoke. And I kind of led the recovery of the, of the bank robbery. And so, you know, you'd put the tellers aside. I knew the FBI agents by name by that time. So... It also happened to be the district manager's office, and she got wind of this. And lo and behold, the next week, I found myself in South Central Los Angeles, uh, the bank robbery capital of the world at the time, uh, in banking. And so I learned an absolute ton. Um, they gave me more responsibility than they probably should have from a banking standpoint, but I learned about 
gangs and drugs and riots and cops, uh, earthquakes. I mean, it was a full-fledged experience. Um, but I'll tell you, I had uh, the third time I had a gun to my head, I'm like, my luck just will, may not to hold. So uh, I, a, a manager, mentor of mine in the past at First Interstate uh, reeled me in. I went over to work for Citibank in downtown and had a wonderful marvelous experience there. Um, and uh, built a really nice portfolio, was, was having some success and climbing that corporate ladder uh, until my father called and he said, you know, there's a bank for sale. Uh, it is about to fail, um, but it is something that we could possibly buy if, uh, if you're interested. And so lo and behold, what really uh, I discovered there is I'm really more of an entrepreneur because I jumped on it right away. And uh, so we bought this bank that was, that was failing and boy, I... I got married, uh, bought a bank, went on a honeymoon, and moved back to Minnesota all in the span of about four months' time. So it was a, a quick turnaround, but it was great, great transition. That's what brought me back to to Minnesota. You know, going into uh, the, the new model with your dad, what was it that you thought uh, you could do differently than the prior owners did? Yeah, this bank had actually quite a history to it. Um, in short, uh, not the people that we bought it from, but the prior one, uh, he did federal prison time twice uh, for fraud in this bank. Um, and then the owners that we bought it from really ignored the community around it. So the typical bank redlining, this was uh, just a textbook example of you take deposits from the local community, but you only make loans in the suburbs. And so... This was an immigrant uh, community, and at the time it was Laotian or Hmong, and, but it has always been an immigrant community. And so it was just like the picture behind me, the Little Italy, it's just kind of where the immigrants would settle. They'd work on the railroad, et cetera. So what I thought, though, in, this, in buying this bank was really, it was clear to me that the, the value proposition was one of a shared uh, proposition. If the community succeeds, the bank would succeed. If the community failed, the bank would fail. And that just seemed to be how close it was tied. It just, it needed to be that way. And so that's really where I think when you think about the, the business model or the mission particularly, it grew out of this need to engage and innovate with the community, new products and services, uh, how to adapt to the environment hire Hmong employees, uh, understand the culture, and really begin to engage and, and prosper. And, and it worked. Um, I had a Hmong bank for actually a number of years where the majority of, of our customers were Hmong and, and a little over 30, 40% of our, our staff were Hmong. It was great. So we roll forward to then the Sunrise business model, gotcha. uh, which you're currently overseeing. What uh, as you run Sunrise, what's what's a good client? What's the target market for your 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 bank? Yeah, so I'd have to say that Sunrise is uh, it's opportunistic when you think about it, kind of its business model. It's really an entrepreneurial bank. So uh, for those listeners who know the entrepreneurial operating system, we run on that system as well. So, um, but the the business model of the bank is really twofold, and so it is place based. What you would think of a community bank, we have four branches in and around the Twin Cities metro area. Our headquarters is here, but we also have um, an office in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So the first business model has to do a lot of commercial lending uh, to small businesses and real estate in and around the Twin Cities area, but really focused on low and moderate income communities here. 
um, in order to do economic and, and community development there. It's really our specialty and, and affordable housing. Um, the other half of our business model is really what's known as, it's called many things, but banking as a service. So we're a fintech partner bank. We enable financial technology companies to offer bank products and services in a compliant manner. So maybe to give you an example of that, we partner with a company called Self out of Houston, Texas. They help people either establish their credit for the first time or repair their credit if they have bad credit. And it's a cash-secured loan, um, uh, but we do this nationally, and it's through a digital platform. And last year, we did, I think, a little over 236,000 loans for about $175 million. It just kind of shows the power of digital and the power of scale in, in the fintech business. And so um, you may not know it, but some of the gift cards that you have may have Sunrise Banks listed on the back of that card. Um, those are the types of products and services that you may not know uh, you're working with us, but you could be. Well, it's interesting how you how you jumped in or you evolved with fintech as it rolled out. And uh, following this trend, where do you feel the banking systems will be in 10 years from now? Wow. Well, that, uh, that's, I don't know how much time you have today, but it, it could be summed up in a lot in terms of it is it's being disrupted now by digital, but it's even going to transform even faster from the standpoint of it's not just digital, but it's artificial intelligence. It's automation. Um, it's the ability to really engage with your customer or business on a new level and using that data. But there's also a piece to this that is revolutionary. It allows you to, well, let's say automate the ordinary, uh, but it allows you to customize and personalize to be extraordinary so that you can really serve your customers well by knowing where they are and who they are. Um, you may know even before they do as to certain products and services uh, that, that they're looking for. I also think there's an, another aspect of it, of it that's I'm maybe a little biased in this, but I think it's going to be more, that consumer is going to be more in tune and engaged with not only the bank they do business with, but the businesses they do business with, where they consume as to uh, what they're all about. And so transparency, I think, becomes a real uh, forward issue as to where does the bank do business, who does it finance, and and why does it do that? What's its position? When you um, when you're, you you have a podcast I do. called Next Gen Banker. Okay. Yeah. So let's let's go through the podcast. How did it originate? What do you focus in? Guests that are coming up. Yeah. Thanks. Well, uh, the Next Gen Banker podcast is really I think about building the community of what I would say uh, do well by doing good bankers. And so uh, Sunrise has a couple of certifications. One as a, it's known as a CDFI, Community Development Financial Institution. It just means that the majority of our loans kind of day in and day out are to uh, low and moderate income people or places. Um, we're also a, a B Corp, which is more of a triple bottom line focused of people, planet, and prosperity. Um, and lastly, we're also members of an organization called the Global Alliance for Banking on Values. So values-based banks, uh, but globally. So 70 banks, 40 countries. So the podcast itself is really about not only engaging that community of bankers that who are socially and environmentally kind of motivated and driven, but it's also to expand and educate uh, others who are in the finance or in the banking business that here's a possible career. Um, you can have more of a purpose-driven type of a career when it comes to uh, banking and finance, and this is a community that you can engage with. So it's really... How do I, and I'm really targeted in some cases towards maybe 
that younger career professional who you know has choices still in terms of where they may move and uh, educating them about what's out there. But our, our guests are from all over the world, from the environmental side to the social side to the tech side. And so we, we range the gamut there. We, we try to stay on the edge a little bit um, and also feature a musical guest at the end. So if the podcast is very good, maybe the musical guest is. <laughs> so at the end of life, David, uh, how do you want to be remembered by others? You know, I, I think the memory that people will want or I will want uh, for others to have is, you know, he kind of proved the fact that you can own a business and do well and do good at the same time. Um, and he kind of proved that when it wasn't so popular, but it set the stage maybe for others to, to carry on and to think of a business not only as a standalone on its own, but a part of society uh, in and of itself. David, it's been a pleasure having you with us on today's show. And uh, best wishes to you and Sunrise and into the future success. Sounds good, Alan. Always great to see you.